Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two first-year physical therapy students sharing our grad school experiences to help PT students around the world. Embark on this journey with us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Welcome back to Gratitude, and for today's episode, we have Dr. Jeff Taylor, who is a professor at High Point University's Department of Physical Therapy program. Welcome, Dr. Taylor. Thanks, Gabby. Thanks, Sarah. It's uh, great to be talking to you. What a cool idea you guys have. Oh, thank you. For our first uh, question, we just want to know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so you mentioned it. I work at High Point University as a faculty member in the Department of Physical Therapy. It is my seventh year at High Point, but only teaching students for the last two years. We had a number of years to prepare the program, get our facilities in order, and do some research before students came. So seven years at High Point before that, I was a clinical PT working in a general outpatient orthopedic setting, focusing on athletes, but seeing a lot of different things at um, community hospital in a suburban and also rural area uh, in upstate New York. Where I ended up after PT school, did about seven or eight years as a clinical PT, and then moved to High Point. So kind of told you that backwards, my life story. Love it. So when did you go to PT school? Wow, you're going to make me say my age, huh? So I graduated from Duke Physical Therapy School in 2005. That was after going to University of Delaware for undergrad. So not that long ago. I make it yeah. sound like it's so long ago. Not that long ago, but it definitely shows my age. So what was your experience as a PT student overall? Uh, stress. Stress. I, I think you guys probably know exactly what that feels like and what that means, right? No, I, I remember getting to PT school and thinking to myself, holy crap, this is my career. And I think most students go through that. I don't know that all students go through that on the first day, but uh, I definitely remember the feeling of this is very different than undergrad and I need to make sure that I know that, that this, the importance of my next three years and what that means to my potential future. So I don't know if that was good or not, but it definitely set me up to have a stressful three years, um, putting a lot of pressure on myself. So that's the big thing that I remember. Um, also going to Duke, it was some great social experiences, obviously with the basketball team met some great people that I actually continue to work with today. So good people, lots of studying, and some stress thrown in with that. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, sounds familiar to you guys, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure. So out of your experience during PT school, is that what made you want to be a professor? I, no, I wouldn't say that because I, when I graduated PT school, I, I wanted to go clinical and I wanted to go clinical full-time. But I was that guy in PT school that was the nerdy science guy. Like I really liked the science classes and you know, knowing why we do what we do as physical therapists. So maybe there was a little bit of a, a hint there. But no, I really wanted to go clinical. Uh, my first job was an outpatient setting that was really fast paced, which was really good for me. I learned a lot but never really had time to reflect on, again, why we're doing what we're doing. It's always a big thing to me. So I didn't have time there. And so I decided to move on to a different position where they, well, I guess when I was hired, I negotiated with them to get four hours a week doing research. I don't really know that I knew what research was at that time, 
but I negotiated. I felt like I needed something. There's some different time other than just pure clinical care, as well as administration. I was involved setting up a clinic there, but um, they agreed to that surprisingly. And I uh, spent four hours a week in our uh, medical center library doing again what I thought was research, but it probably really wasn't. Uh, but that got me hooked. The diving into reading literature and reading evidence and just trying to answer my questions, but then getting more and more. Um, so really what got me interested in becoming a faculty member was the science and the research aspect. Really hard to do if you're not in academia. It's really hard to do in a clinic. There's a lot of great clinicians that do it, but it's it's hard to find the time and the funding to do it. So I've started to think about doing PhD programs and how was I going to get to that next step in my career uh, when an opportunity at High Point came up that I could go and help start a brand new program at a great university and also get my PhD at the same time. Uh, so I jumped on that and that's, that's how I got in academia. And then when I got here, I started working with students and teaching and that's probably my favorite part of my job now. For sure. That's quite a transition. So did you become full-time? Like you just went from clinical four hours a week research and then full-time faculty? Yeah. Cold turkey, right to faculty full-time. <laughs> wow. And full-time PhD student at the same time. Oh yeah. my gosh. Which was a little bit easier because we didn't we didn't have PT students that I was trying to teach. I actually was hired as the director of clinical education at High Point, so a lot of my time was spent setting up uh, our future clinical rotations and developing partnerships and that sort of thing. But 40 hours a week plus at High Point, then an actual PhD program on top of that full time. Wow, yeah. that that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. Of, a lot of work for actually you know setting up I guess program, but also how long does it take to plan a class? Ooh, if I'm teaching a class, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess it depends on. Who you're talking to. I am an incredible over-preparer. Um, so to give you an example, I teach at 8 a.m. in the morning, as you know, Gabby, mm -hmm. but I'm there before 6 a.m. every day just to make sure that, not every day, sorry, the days that I teach, just to make sure that everything's right, ready to go. So take that for one, what I do for one class to what I do for a whole course. So I've taught the course twice now. I started planning the course probably two years before I taught it first, and I would say it's still not done, right? So it, it continues to evolve as you teach it. As the professor, you watch students and you see how they're learning and you figure out things that you could do differently and you listen to student feedback. So to, to roll it out the first time, it took me two years. You could probably do it in six months. I would be shocked if you could do it any quicker than that. And if, in my opinion, at least, if you're going to do it well, you have to listen to students and it's going to take two, three, four years before it gets to where you want it to be. That's a lot of time that you put towards this. And I think it sounds like it pays off from what Gabby said, from what I've heard about you guys and your program. It sounds amazing. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, we were unique when we developed our program because we had five years before students came. That's most programs as they're starting don't have that. So we were able to put a lot of intentional time into how we're going to teach things, how we're going to integrate classes together. And there's always speed bumps, but that's one thing that I definitely did not appreciate as a student as to how much effort goes into running a PT program. From the outside looking in as a student, you know your professor's in front of you at the front of the class, you know, twice a week for a couple hours, but what the heck else are they doing? They, they, they've got to have a lot of free time. I can tell you now that is not how it works <laughs> in academia, uh, but there is a lot of time that we devote outside of the classroom, getting ready for class, grading papers. Teaching itself is a full-time gig, but when you have other responsibilities like research or administration, it's, it's a lot that happens in academia. Yeah, so how many hours would you say that you are dedicating outside of the classroom, like in one week? To teaching? Yeah, even helping the students, because I'm sure you have, you know, office hours mm -hmm. and students come and ask you all these questions because we're clueless and we need <laughs> some guidance. No, you're not clueless. That's that's not the right word because it's you're just lifelong. Like right? you, you want to know 
it, right? You, this yeah. Is yeah. You don't want to just pass the test. At least that's what my impression that I get from students. It's not about passing the test in grad school. Like you, you need to know this stuff for your mm-hmm. profession. So students that come to me, it's, it's fun because it's not like a typical undergrad that would come and say, what's going to be on the test? How do I pass the test? It's, it's not like that. So um, amount of time I spend, I've tried different things in just a couple years and teaching multiple classes. I've tried set office hours, trying to do two to four hours a week with students. Sometimes that works. Sometimes I just say by appointment. And when I do by appointment, I probably meet with, I don't know, eight to 10 students a week for 15 minutes to a half an hour each time. But as you guys know, it depends on the week, right? If something's due, or if there's a test coming triples if there's just had a test and you haven't gotten your grades back yet or something like that it's nobody wants to come talk to you so it, it's all dependent on the time of the oh yeah for sure especially when we all have midterms and <laughs> oh <laughs> stress level gets high right <laughs> oh yes we all know that so yeah. what advice would you give to current students and also future students coming into the program? And I guess we can also integrate during interview days. What do you see in potential students? Gotcha. Yes, there's a lot to that question. Let's yeah, there's a lot to that question. <laughs> um, future PTs first. We'll kind of work our way that way. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So maybe undergrads right now, and I get the opportunity to work with a lot of undergrads, research mentors, and I'm the advisor for our pre-physical therapy club on campus here. So I, I do interact with them a lot. And as you said, Gabby, we interview at High Point. So I get to see those stressed faces when people come to interview for our program. The biggest thing I guess is in looking for a school, one is you've got to find the right match. Don't just go to the prettiest school. Don't just go to the school that costs the least. It, it's, it's three years. It's an intense three years of your life. So you've got to make sure that you can envision yourself in that school with those professors and in that town or city or geographic location for three years. Because if you're there for three years and you're not happy, that makes for a really, really long and stressful three years. So you've got to look as a student, I think, at fit. And fit might be different for everybody, but pay really close attention. Don't just get drawn in by the fancy machinery or the one cool professor. Like make sure it is a complete good fit for you as a as a future PT student. Then once you know where you're going, uh, you guys can probably give better advice than I can on this. But one of the favorite parts of my job is that I do get to work with students in their first semester PT school. And the light bulbs that you see go on in in the first semester is pretty awesome. Um, And it's not just content. So I teach movement science and I see people that finally understand different biomechanical principles. And that's, that's cool. But it's the complete transition from the undergraduate mindset to the graduate mindset that's really fun to see. And it just takes students different lengths of time to figure that out. So I mentioned to you, it was my first day of class at Duke that I was like, holy crap, this is this is different. And I need to do something different with my study habits, my time management. From an advice standpoint, and this is actually the number one uh, most frequent question I get asked during interviews from students is what advice would you give me? So those those that are listening that are planning interviews, it's a good, good question to throw out there. Mine is you've got to be prepared to hit the ground running from day one. This is not undergrad where you might take a history class or a religion class, which might teach you good things, writing skills or critical thinking skills, but it's not as though you're going to need the content there for your profession. In PT school, you need the content for your profession. You need from day one, you need to know what you learn in semester one, in year three, and after you graduate. So it's figuring out how not to just play the game and cram for a test, but it's how do I actually learn and be able to use this material in different ways? And that's, that's a really hard answer and a hard thing to figure out as a student, but being aware of it from day one, I think is really important. Like each individual student will figure out their way to do it, but to realize that it's different than undergrad and you're not going to be able to play the same games that you did as an undergraduate student, I think is really important. Would you guys agree with that? I know you're going through the same thing. Yes. Right now. 
For sure, because that's the hardest transition. I would say, you know, up to midterms, I didn't have a good foundation of what grad school was going to take from me, like my efforts and, you know, change of priorities because, you know, people come from all different walks of life. And I had been working a lot. I had a year off. I didn't expect to be in school in June when you started or when did you start, Gabby? July? May. May. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So you started, I found out in June. I was literally the last person called off the wait list that I was starting in August and I had to move from Indiana over here. So like that was quite a transition. I think that's the hardest part. Yeah, the first few weeks definitely were the transition. But like you said, when you student when you see students have that light bulb moment, I mean, I know that happened to me multiple times. But yeah. yeah, for both of us. I mean, once you have that, you really know like, okay, this is this is the mindset that I have now. And you know, those light bulb moments will keep coming as you go through. Yeah, the other thing I would tell students going into their first semester is you've got to figure out how to pick yourself up when you fail because it's probably going to happen and that doesn't mean you actually fail a test but maybe you do but success is not going to be as frequent or as easy as it was in undergrad or in other walks of life so it is okay if you don't do well on test is okay if you don't do as well in a class as you think you should it's how you pick yourself up and regroup recover and reflect and change things for the next time or the next class or whatever it is that's honestly i think that was one of your other questions gabby is what do we look for what do i look for in students and in interviews you know i read the applications and the transcripts and the essays and all that and they're important obviously we need to make sure that somebody has the aptitude to learn and to do well in school. But to me, that's not what makes a good physical therapist. And I want students in our school that are going to be good physical therapists, not that are just going to ace the licensure exam. So can you talk to people? Can you form relationships with people? And to go back to my previous point, is there, can I get a sense of this grit or determination or the ability to bounce back? Have you had struggles in your life that you can say that you've you know bounced back from? Another good interview question from a faculty to a student is talk to me about, you know, a struggle you had or a failure you've had. Again, students that are preparing for interviews, that is a classic one that you want to have an answer ready to go for. And it's a really common question. It's on the written essay questions. It's on the interviews as well. I I never went to an interview. I never got the opportunity to. But from what I heard, other people who did, that was like one of the first or second questions that they ask. It's it's big. It's again. I think I think most PT schools around the country are figuring it out that it's not just grades and GREs. That there's there's a personality that makes a good PT a good PT. And as you get more into clinical experience and you start shadowing PTs and you start working with CIs, there's a lot of diversity in the field. But we're all we all have some of the same key qualities. And so that's what we look for. We want those same key qualities in our students. For sure. So, you know, we talked about going from interviews and then potentially being a PT student at whatever program you're interviewing for. More of transitioning from PT school, you know, you pass your boards, going into the clinic. What was your experience with that? And what did you kind of take away from going through that transition? Uh, That transition is super exciting, right? Everybody that's a PT student that graduates, you have this air of confidence, like, I've done it. I'm finally here. That was seven years of school that I just went through. And now I'm finally going to get a decent paycheck. Right. And so their confidence is huge. And then you see your first patient by yourself and it's like, well, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Uh, I remember my first patient was a kind of a chronic back pain patient that had just had a total disc replacement. And we never once had learned about total disc replacements in school. And I had never seen one in my clinical internship. So I was mortified. I had no idea 
what I was doing. So I returned to my exam sequence. I figured I figured it out, but that was really humbling for me. I guess the transition from PT school to working full-time, be humble and know that you don't know everything and that's going to be okay. Uh, the first year I've, I've heard from a couple people and I totally agree with, the first year out of PT school is probably the most important year professionally of your life when you figure out kind of who you are as a PT. In PT school, you, you do get to practice independently with supervision, but you tend to take the form of who your CI is. But then when it's you and it's your license, it's, it's you and you figure out kind of your personality as a physical therapist in whatever setting that is. So it's really developmental year and you have to have a good mentor. Many students look for jobs and try and find a job with you know the most money or geographically where they want to be. Same thing I talked about for finding a school, you've got to find the right fit. And to me, I would highly encourage anybody looking for a job, especially that first year out of school, is to find a place that there's going to be good mentorship for you because you're going to need it and you're going to want it. And so to have, even if it's just one person, um, somebody that you really trust, that you really respect as a clinician that can help you get through that first year of seeing diagnoses that you've never seen before and running into problems that you have no idea even existed. So it's, it's, it's again, it's, to me, it's all about fit. Yeah. And in your first job out of grad school, who did you have around you as your mentors? So I worked in a clinic with three other PTs and it was a clinic that also used PTAs quite a bit. So each PT was set with a PTA. So it was a PT, PTA team. The place that I was specifically put me with the most veteran PTA, which was nice. So he helped a lot, believe it or not. PTAs can be hugely valuable in the clinic. So he helped me understand how to interact with patients and how to time manage and that sort of thing. And certainly helped me with the nuances of the clinic we were in. And then my supervisor at the time was the, the lead physical therapist. And he was just a leader. That was just kind of his personality. He would fully admit to you that he wasn't the brightest. He wasn't the best clinician, but he had this air of just wanting to help. He was super available to talk, to consult on a patient with me. And that's, that's exactly what I needed. Yeah, that's so, I was going to say, that's so important too, to just have that mentorship, especially whether you're in school or, you know, when you're taking your first job, like you said, and, you know, having that person to consult with and go through that is, is so important. Yeah, you made a great point in school too. So I didn't touch on that, but, you know, finding that student or the couple students um, in your class or in a year in a class ahead of you or behind you that you can bounce ideas off of because you're going to have crazy ideas in PT school, right? Find some students that you can talk to and find a faculty member that you can talk to too. Most schools have an advisor program. A lot of times that happens randomly. And sometimes you get set up with the perfect advisor for you. And sometimes you don't. And that's, that's okay. That person can help you with classes and grades and that sort of thing. But another piece of advice is to find somebody within the faculty that you just connect with. Networking is huge in our profession to help you find jobs or whatever the case may be. I now work for my one of my PT professors that I had in college and the dean of my school that I worked for was my advisor in PT school. So networking and making those relationships is makes you sane, but it's also super helpful in the future. Yeah, I was just going to ask, what about in PT school? But that was perfect. So I think that's honestly the biggest piece of advice that I wish I had taken more seriously before I started school was get to know somebody who you can talk to and you kind of mesh well with and not just somebody who you think is necessarily the smartest, but who can kind of relay information to you in the best way that you understand it. And that's not always your best friend in the program, right? Right. And <laughs> that's very true. Because they're different 
people have different study strategies and different ways to process information. So being able to find somebody that meshes with you, I think is important. What about you, Gabby? You think same thing? I agree. Definitely. Just finding your classmates around you, but then also finding that a few faculty members who you really can connect with and talk to them about, I mean, school related, but then life too, because we all know there's things that are going to come up and, you know, we could be having a bad week and don't perform well on an exam and just talking to a professor or a classmate about that. Like we just need that. Talked about being able to pick yourself up if you fail, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's one of those steps, having that support network for sure. So I know actually this is a question um, from someone from my class. So I think we talked about this uh, a little bit, but at what point would you say, do you consider yourself an expert in, in our field? Because I know you do a lot of research and, you know, at what point did you feel like, wow, I, I know a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> Pretty much an expert. Like you're not so, such a newbie anymore. Expertise is really hard to define. I would definitely not consider myself an expert in anything, but it, d- it depends what you define it on, right? So are you an expert researcher? Are you an expert teacher? Are you an expert clinician? Gosh, I, I don't know. I, I think for me, I, I, I never really felt like I was really, really good at anything specifically until I got in academia. And when you go to your PhD, excuse me, your PhD, you are forced to get really specific and narrow on a certain topic. So for me, my interest was in ACL injury and specifically my PhD was on ACL injury prevention. So doing a ton of reading in the field and then doing my own research in the field, publishing it and presenting it to others and and collaborating with other who I would consider experts in the field. I guess that's when I started to feel like, wow, maybe maybe I, I do have a lot to offer in that field. But I, but I don't know that that's research expertise, right? That doesn't mean that I am an expert at treating those patients because all of what I just talked about was reading and understanding material and publishing material. That doesn't mean that I am the best clinician to treat those people because there's way more than just science that goes into treating a patient. There's a lot of art that goes into it too. So that's a really hard question. I was hoping you forgot about that question. From the <laughs> Any other day. <laughs> Yeah. And part of it's repetition too, right? So you you have great knowledge, but do you do it often? If I saw one patient after an ACL injury a week, could I turn it into an expert clinician there? Probably not. But if I'm seeing it, you know, three times in the morning through three patients that have that diagnosis in the morning and three in the afternoon, then eventually if my outcomes are good, maybe that makes me an expert. I don't know. It's not a great answer. It's It's a really hard question. And if you stay humble, which I try to, hopefully you never consider yourself an expert because once you consider yourself an expert, I think you stop trying to learn. Yeah. And I think the point is experienced, maybe not necessarily expert. People think, oh, you know, like you said, you felt like you were among experts in the field when you're presenting your research. Well, maybe they don't consider themselves experts. They just think, you know, they're experienced and their own thing, but you have different strengths to bring to them. And I think that's really important for people to realize is they may be experienced in one thing, like you said, not everything. Like research might be your thing. You never know if you don't try it. That's for sure. But there's more than experience too, right? So somebody that's been practicing for 30 years versus somebody that's been practicing for five, that doesn't necessarily mean right. a 30 year clinician is better. There's so many factors that go into it. Exactly. You have to have some experience, I would I would argue for sure. Definitely. Very complicated question. Who came up with that one again? One of our one of my classmates and then and then Dr. Taylor, you walked by and we're like, oh, this is the question. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember that great in the next paper. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you have any last minute pieces of advice that maybe you wish somebody had given you or maybe that you did receive that you think was awesome advice for going into PT school or going through it? So so one, it's okay to fail. I kind of already mentioned that. I didn't know that going through PT school. That's why I put so much stress on me, on myself. I guess the other thing too, which we, we try 
a lot to relieve at High Point. We don't do it. We don't just because it's PT school, but we try and have a stress-free, and that's not the right word, but we try and reduce stress for our students as much as possible. We try and have various semesters that are not really loaded with credits so that students can enjoy a little bit of life outside of class and take some time to think about things. We really value thinking about what you've learned, trying to put it all together, thinking about where you want to go. So I, I guess my other piece of advice would be to make sure you take some time to think about how you've done and think about how you can be better and to think about where you want to go. Put on my dad hat for a minute because when you graduate, you want to do something that excites you. Right? You want to be able to find that niche or that passion. And not everyone's going to have it in all settings and with all patients and with all diagnoses. So being able to, to take a step back every once in a while and think about what it is that excites you and, and what you've done in PT school and what you're good at. So I didn't really think about it this way until I joined the faculty at High Point University. And our, our faculty uh, early on in the department did something called Strength Finders. Have you guys done that before? Mm -hmm. So it's a, a way to, it basically preaches to you to find what your strengths are and to then really use those strengths. Whereas my whole upbringing, being an athlete, I like to find my weaknesses and try and make those better. So that was just kind of my mindset. But it made a lot of sense once I started uh, at HPU that, well, why not use your strengths and really excel in those? So, and I think that goes for students too. There, there's going to be things that you're weak at and yes, you have to get through it so you can pass the boards, but find what your strengths are and your excitement and your passion is and put those together. And, and that's, that's where you should end up. I think that's amazing. If you guys get a chance to go to CSM at any time with like tens of thousands of people, it's crazy. The first year you might not know anybody. Here's down the road. You, you know it, so many people and it, it's insane how interconnected our profession is, which again, makes it so important to network. I just want to say thank you for coming on. I know being a professor and are you still doing research? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you're crazy busy. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to like come and be on our podcast because a ton of SPTs, you know, now and future SPTs okay. are going to listen to this and appreciate all the advice that you gave. It was amazing advice. Well, thanks. I, I wish I honestly had something like this when I was a student. We, we didn't have social media or podcasts or anything. We barely <laughs> had internet at that time. <laughs> What a, what a really cool idea. And our profession needs new innovative thinking. So this is a great start to your professional career to, to start something like this. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.